This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now live from Studio C, here's Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. What is up? BYU Sports Nation is live in day-to-day play-by-play in Studio C, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, August 24th. Tick, 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 tick. Getting closer to football season. Let's go. Thanks for being here. I'm Jerem Jordan. Teamed up with the guy who is still looking for his Built Bar scholarship, Jason Shepard. I believe I still have eligibility, so I'm really? just saying it's it's there. Look, has your five-year clock started? Because <laughs> well, you yeah. JC didn't count. <laughs> no, uh, so I've honestly, if the football team or any team on campus would like to utilize my services in any way in terms of athletic prowess, baseball's declined. Uh, they they know a little too much about my athletic prowess for them to actually want me to be a part. You want to be like a European <laughs> prospect where they barely they have like grainy film. Yeah, well, it's yeah. like yeah, exactly. You don't want to know too much. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it comes over at like Eastern European VHS quality like, type stuff. You're like, dude, this like 5'9 reporter out of Latvia is going <laughs> to be amazing. No, but I do, look, Built Bar, the NIL, the BYU football team, they kind of started this whole thing off, mm-hmm. you know, a year ago with with the uh, the inclusion of the walk-ons. And the cool part is Built Bar and the football program doing it again. And... Uh, and now they've got the, the Cougar Tail Built Bar Puff. The Puff. Which I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Puff. I love the, uh, the uh, had it. Banana Cream Puff. Banana I have not cream. yet I, I had have, the, not partaken. the the uh, Cougar Tail Puff. Mm. But uh, I did, <laughs> look, and I, look, Built Bar gets my money because I just put in a $75 order that I got the other day. Nice. Are you so, basically begging for an NIL no, no, on no, the no. air? No, no, no. I am saying I am paying for my Built Bars. Right. So, so you know that when I say I love them, I'm putting my yeah. money where my mouth is. Yes. You, Literally. What, what you care about is what you spend time and money on. Yes. That's just a fact. Okay? Yes. Congratulations to the walk-ons who got, uh, you know, the same deal that they got last year with Bill Bar. Congratulations to Bill Bar. Uh, awesome. Just showing up in a major way. with And Bill delivered Bar. by Cosmo via the air. <laughs> Literally parachuting in. Now we know why he did that, by the way. Yeah. That was part of that deal. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Which is crazy. Like, I said this yesterday. We are numb to how amazing Cosmo is. Cosmo is the best. We're also numb to how close we are to the South Florida game. Hit it. Countdown to the Bulls. Ten days away. It's one of those ones where we have to add the away because of the silver. You sure you didn't want to go ten days? We thought about it, and then we didn't think about it anymore. Okay. Here's the show lineup. The Cougars are a Tier 6 college football program, and Kalani Sataki is a Tier 2 coach. Says who, and do we agree? Elisa Tuiaki, defensive coordinator on quarters versus man aggression levels, and how this defense can get deep enough to hold up against the UABs of the world uh, at the end of the season. We had that discussion. We've got highlights from the final fall camp scrimmage yesterday and uh, Isaiah Glasker's interception that made Sports Center Amazing play. We'll show you that. And today's the anniversary of the amazing 1996 win against Texas A&M. Brent Musburger on the call. We'll play some highlights. We are loaded, but first, Jason, give us some headline puffs, will you? These headlines will be delicious. BYU football fall camp came to a close yesterday with a scrimmage at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Head coach Kalani Satake said he was pleased with what he saw. The team didn't know what to expect, so we just threw a bunch of things at them and tried to create some some chaos. And, and I thought they handled everything uh, the right way. And, and we were out here for a while and liked our pregame stuff. And everything seemed to work out really well. For a head coach, I, my perspective, I really like what we got from it. 
Well, and now it is full steam ahead to the Bulls of South Florida. I wish one day uh, a coach, and that's to be funny, just someone would be like, oh, we were terrible. We are not ready for South Florida at all. Like we are in real trouble here. <laughs> like we're, <laughs> we, we may stink up the joint. Like, oh my gosh, this guy's out of shape. This guy can't even throw the ball anymore. Like, no, that's never gonna happen. Of course, he liked what he saw. This BYU team is going to be pretty good. Let's go. Senior left tackle Blake Freeland is a USA Today second team All-American. When you have guys like Blake, they're pretty good. And four Cougars are on the Senior Bowl watch list. And Jaron Hogan around me, Blake Freeland, and Clark Barrington. Those are those are kind of three of those four are kind of the consensus yeah. top players on the team. Gunner probably in the top six, seven right there. Ronnie Jones Perry and Team USA. Upper Hills! Finished pool play. I was waiting for that. At uh, the Pan Am Cup. The Americans play Costa Rica today at, uh, I believe, 3 o'clock Mountain Time. And then tomorrow they will face the defending champs from the Dominican Republic. Silver Waves Media names men's hoop strength and conditioning coach Eric Short one of the most impactful strength and conditioning coaches in the country. We've also named him one of them on campus. Absolutely. just decided that. How about Cougars in Major League Baseball? Michael Rucker, former Cougar pitcher, pitched two innings and had a strikeout for the Cubs yesterday in a win in game one of their doubleheader against my Cardinals. I will uh, finish with this. The Cardinals did come back and beat uh, the Cubs handily in game two. Welcome back in. to Cardinal Sports Nation featuring Jason Shepard. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. The Athletic has Kalani Stocky as a Tier 2 or Proven Goods coach, uh, coach among college football coaches, with notables in Tier 1 like Nick Saban, Lincoln Riley, Kirby Smart, and former Cougar Kyle Whittingham of Utah in Tier 1 among nice. them. What's your reaction to Kalani Stocky being a Tier 2 coach on this list? Well, a lot of it has to go... When you look at this, okay, well, who else is in this? Mm -hmm. Who's in tier one? Yep. So you have to put it within some context. When I look at being in tier two, I think this is quite an accomplishment. I, I this is this is pretty good territory to be in if you're Kalani Satake. And look, there, there's the one A. It's Nick Saban. We know he's ahead. Yep. He is always he's, he's ahead above everybody else. He's the greatest college football coach ever. Yep. And then you have the tier one B, and you mentioned. Some of the guys that are there, Whittingham being one of those, Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, uh, Luke Fickle. Uh, the highest, by the way, of the new Big 12 uh, is, is Luke Fickle. Yes, yeah, Cincinnati's been awesome Interesting. They, uh, they had nine draft picks. What's, what's really cool about this is the picture that they use to talk about Tier 1 is Kyle Whittingham. The picture that they use to illustrate Tier 2 is Kalani Satake. Only half of that is cool to me. So, well, I'm just saying the state of Utah well represented oh, in terms of, hey, the focus of these, how about De we look at the state of Utah? Deseret, what's up? But look, I love the fact that Kalani Satake is in this group. You're talking about guys, several other Big 12s with Matt Campbell at Iowa State. You know, Let's go Big 12. Dana Holgerson from Houston. Mike Gundy, he's a man. He's 40 he at Oklahoma is, State. How old is he now? He's like got to be 50. 52, 54? I, look, I think this is pretty impressive. And, you know, one of the things that really stands out, they Moral go through. victory status here? They, no, they go through a little bit of an explanation as to why they think yes. all of these guys deserve to be in these certain tiers. 
And, and this is what they, salary. This is what they said about Kalani. He said, quote, he showed some resilience, another agent said of Satake. Quote, they had a wonderful season with Zach Wilson, but they were, again, a really strong team last year. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to enter the Big 12 full steam ahead and instantly be one of the contenders. Very high praise for the program and Kalani Satake. I would love to be uh, for BYU to be a contender next year in the Big 12. I think uh, it's certainly going to be a re- rebuild to some degree. The hope is you can plug in excellent uh, backups and uh, return missionaries that have been back a year and other role players who now get their time. Uh, and you, you uh, and maybe Jacob Conover is perhaps the guy. Maybe there's a transfer who competes for that job and or wins that. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, I think Tier 2 is probably a good spot for Kalani uh, right there. Um, to get to Tier 1, you've probably got to make a New Year's 6 game. Uh, right. That's what would be required, I think. But think about it. Um, Satake, is two, the last two seasons had been incredi- incredibly meaningful for BYU football, not only in terms of the actual wins going 21-4, and four, but sort of the prestige and status of BYU. Not only does BYU enter the Big 12 on fire, which a long time ago in 2016 I said, you kind of have to have that validating season recently to just get hot and be extra attractive. Historically, BYU's always been attractive, obviously, as a college football program and athletic department. But the last two years have been honest. Don't uh, have been awesome. Don't forget that in the middle of 2019, Kalani Sitake at two and four that year is 29 and 29 as a head coach. Since that moment, BYU's 27 and six, and that's also the game that Aaron Roderick starts calling the plays on offense. I, I continue to, to preach that from this Rami Umptum that Aaron Roderick is one of the, if, if not the big head coach is the biggest, but Aaron Roderick's one of the most influential pieces of this turnaround for BYU. So tier two's, tier two's great. I think that's a good spot. You win a power five league and you get into the top five two of the last three years. That makes sense for Kyle Whittingham. Um, you know, they, they uh, get into New Year's six last year, uh, you know, finally as a Pac-12 member. And yeah, that's, that's great. Um, for BYU to continue to evolve, you probably need to the, – the next step in the evolution isn't a continue with 10 wins per, per se thing. It's, okay, you got to have that like one loss a year, maybe even undefeated, where you actually get into the near six. And now that, uh, you know, this, this team capable of something crazy, every time BYU has finished inside the top 10 – Cougar Stats putting this out this, this year, uh, this morning – BYU has started outside the top 20. Yeah. So uh, you're, it's either really good or really bad thing, right? When BYU went four or nine, certainly they started outside the top twenty. But hopefully BYU can put together a special season that continues to put a stamp on what Kalani Stocky and the Cougars are doing nationally the last couple of years. Before we get on to topic number two, real quick, if you're wondering, we mentioned where you know BYU and Utah were and their coaches in this tier. Uh, Utah State, Blake Anderson coming in in tier three, and honestly, after like. One great year at Utah State. Maybe the biggest. Solid at Arkansas State. Maybe the biggest surprise to me, they have Dave Aranda from Baylor in Tier 3. I don't that know why surprises Dave, me a bit. I don't know why Dave wouldn't be in Tier 2. Agreed. Given, given the incredible defense at LSU in 2019 during the national championship as the D.C. And then, of course, winning a Power 5 league in Baylor. I think Utah is more sustained than Baylor at this point. Baylor has a good history, but Dave Aranda at Baylor is just one good year. So perhaps that makes sense, but... Hey, you win a Power 5 league, that's pretty good, man. Like, it might be a sec before BYU gets in that situation. It took Utah 11 years to do it in the Pac-12. All right, uh, because the word of the day is tears, let's stay with tears as we go to topic number two. ESPN has BYU as a Tier 6, uh, Tier 6 team. And again, there will be some context with this because 
immediately you're probably like, tier six, that's really, really low. ESPN has them as a tier six team and a, uh, an under the radar gem. So how would you best describe BYU's outlook this year on the national scene? Yeah, people perceive BYU, mostly, the smart ones, uh, as a top 25 <laughs> team, right? When you look at the first couple of tiers, you go up to tier five. It's like Baylor, Houston, Kentucky, Miss Michigan State, Oklahoma State, Wake Forest. About, Wake Forest quarterback, by the way, out for the year. They're not going to be the same. Tier four, Miami, Texas, USC, right? Tier three, NC State, Texas, yeah, there's not a Utah, lot of Wisconsin. There's not a lot of teams. It's not like there's no. 10 to 12 teams in each tier. That's why yes. BYU's down in like six because there's like three or four in each uh, one. Yeah, and uh, to finish it off, tier two, Clemson, Michigan, overrated. Notre Dame, Oklahoma, tier one's Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. So six is, I think this is spot on for where BYU probably is. I could see an argument for five, um, maybe even four. Four is probably pushing a little bit. But what we hope is that BYU proves itself to be in tier four or five, if you will. Because what we would love is for BYU to replicate what it did last year, Shep, which is great, great success against the Power Five teams. Do better against the G5 teams. Put yourself to be in a position to be in the New Year's Six conversation. I don't need 11-1 and one to be happy. What I need is 9-3 and three in the regular season to be happy, right? 10-2 and two would be awesome. That's the realistic expectation. The dream is 11-1, and 12-0. The reality is probably 9-3, uh, maybe even 8-4. and 10-2 is the realistic version of this. Very nice. Nice compilation of words there. Um, my initial reaction was under the radar. How can a team that has this much production coming back and it's a top 25 team be under the radar? Now, using the explanation that they give, yeah. the reason they're under the radar in terms of being a college football playoff team, that's why oh, they're yeah, considered yeah, yeah, yeah. under the radar. Totally. So when I see that, okay, I, I, don't, I don't have an issue with that. I can get behind that. In terms of tier six. In terms of tier, well, or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, You're fine with six? I'm more worried, not necessarily the number of the tier, it's what they're categorizing it. So they're saying the under-the-radar gems. So with their explanation as to for the college football playoff, yeah, I, I can get behind that. Anytime it's just a, a wisp of college football playoff <laughs> right. conversation, BYU something, I go, hey, that's fun to be mentioned. It ain't happening, but that's fun. Near six is the goal for BYU. Why do you doubt? The reality. Why do you doubt? <laughs> show me show me the playoff, okay? Our question of the day. How do you feel about BYU being labeled as an under-the-radar gem and a Tier 6 team by Espen? Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Wait on Twitter, Facebook, and the Grand. j Smith on under the radar, eh. Tier six, well, if we take care of the Coastal Carolinas, the UABs, and the mighty Blue Turfers, <laughs> we should move up a tier or two. <laughs> to be fair, Coastal was like a top 15 team in 2020. They were really good. And UAB won nine games. No slouch, still got to win. No, come on, man. Uh, and then the mighty Blue Turfers. Yeah, yeah, don't fumble the ball and you take care of business. All right, coming up, follow this. A sign from Arizona that BYU will beat Baylor. We're into science yeah. now, huh? Yeah, okay. we will explain. Defensive coordinator Elias Tuiaki on drop eight and how to get deep enough to uh, avoid a UAB situation again at the end of the season. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, 
official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, and David Nixon look at some of the key returners for BYU football, including Keenan, Keenan Peely, Lopini Katoa, or Leaping Lopini, uh, Tyler Batty, and more today on After Further Review. You can watch it anytime on the BYU TV app. Does anyone love alliteration more than broadcasters? I think not. We love that stuff. Uh, we're live in Studio C with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. He is Yason, born Identity Shepherd. I am Jerem Jordan. Great to have you. Sometimes the defensive coordinator, Elisa Tuyaki, gets some grief. Drop eight stinks, Cougar Board might say. Well, sometimes it's that simple, right? Second half versus Virginia, 2019 versus USC, and Utah State against young quarterbacks throwing picks. Sometimes it doesn't work as well. Drop eight, depth, MMA are all part of the discussion I had with the Cougar DC yesterday after the final scrimmage of fall camp. E, that mustache is looking super legit, dude. Uh, how would you rate your mustache compared to your cohorts on the staff? It's coming in, but I don't think I'm anything close to uh, all those other guys. They're a little bit more manly than mine. But have they competed in MMA? No, I, I can probably beat them all up. No, <laughs> Would be the quickest win. No, just kidding. Uh, how, how's, uh, how's camp going so far? Because you guys have put a bow on technically fall camp. Um, how did you feel it went? What did you learn? I thought camp was good, you know, from the defense perspective. Um, we've got a lot of, a lot of um, players that can contribute on the defensive side, which we're going to need. Um, we've got a lot of uh, experience coming back. Uh, stayed healthy on the defensive side, which which was huge for us during during fall camp. But got the work that we needed, and um, we're at the point now where we're tired of beating up on each other, and we're ready to go play somebody else. What what's the greatest pro of having as much experience as you have on the defense? Because I think this might be the most experienced BYU team of all time because of COVID. You just have so many guys that you've been working with for several years. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, having, having the experience, I mean, you know, obviously across the whole team, it's, it's great to have all that uh, uh, returning power on the, on the offensive side. But on defense, it gives us an opportunity to just stay deep. You know, it's, uh, that's one of the things that's just through the years um, starts to really get you. And last year was, was an example of it. I mean, depending on the year, you hope you can stay healthy. But if you're losing anybody, um, you know, things change and you're, the, the way that you game plan change and the way that you want to try to stop people changes. And so having this much, much depth, having this much uh, experience uh, for us to be able to play all the different schemes that we think we need to play to win and not have to, uh, you know, not, not have to uh, check certain things just because uh, we feel like it, we, we may not be able to do it as has been great. I mean, you know, we've, we've got the depth that we feel like we need. Uh, right now at this point in the season, but we've also got a lot of players that have a lot of experience that have been in games that are familiar with the system, know the language, um, and just just giving us snaps, you know, uh, throughout the season. So I think it's it's been been really exciting for us to get all that. Last year was so incredible. Um, there were so many amazing wins, right? The UAB game, um, you're pretty beat up at the end there. But let's be honest, in the future, that's where you want to be ready to win a massive game, hopefully in a near six and a Big 12 championship game, right? What is it going to take to get to the point where in game 12 and 13, or I guess it might even be 13 and 14 one day, that you have the depth that you want should there be injuries because, hey, this is football. Yeah, it's, you know, that, that's a, it's a great question and, and uh, really – 
any team, every single team that you look at, right? It's it's all kind of relative to who you are and, and the type of players that you've got in your team. But even even when a you know when a national championship team like Georgia or Alabama, Ohio State, when they lose, you know, a key player on the offensive side or defensive side, it changes them a little bit, right? And so um, you know, for for us, if we can stay healthy, I mean, it just it just gives us an opportunity to compete. And like like you were saying last year, you know, three games left in the season, and we were we're really running on fumes and just trying to figure out way to win ways to win games. And the offense did a great job, just uh, especially in the last part of the season, just kind of carrying us and, and uh, you know, uh, scoring points and, and uh, you know, just uh, scratching and clawing our way as a team, trying to, trying to find, find game, uh, wins. And so, um, you know, last year was, was just tough. I felt like uh, going into the USC game was, we were really running on fumes and, and found a way to win and the offense did a great job with that one. And, and uh, UAB game was was a little bit different. I thought that there were other elements to the game uh, besides the injuries that that uh, you know we as a coaching staff, myself as a coordinator, felt like should should have uh, done a better job at doing, um, like motivating. I, I thought it was probably the biggest thing is is just motivating them to you know you're almost set up all year to play in a pretty pretty cool bowl, and then you go to one that uh, you know maybe you feel like you deserved a better one, and I felt like. Uh, that entitlement, you know, probably trickled from the top down for myself to the players and so. So, you know, getting the players in a better mindset is, is where I really felt like I failed as a coordinator, felt like uh, didn't do a good enough job uh, inspiring them to play ball when we needed to play. And, you know, t- take that one on me and feel like we'll come back this next year and be ready to be ready to give it another go. And I don't want to linger on the UAB game because there were six power five wins there. You know what I mean? But it it is interesting because the goals of this program starting next year are to win a big 12 title. And in game 13, you've got to be your best, which is tough given, uh, you know, how deep you can be because with the transfer portal E it's tough because you can't have like a legit three sitting there that isn't anxious to play. You know what I mean? If they're not in the top two, they may bounce. So it's hard to really get that depth because yeah. people want to play. So um, in terms of what what you have this year, obviously you have a ton of experience. Does that change the way you call plays in game and or prepare knowing, okay, we have people who have been there who know the calls, as you mentioned, who have been in the fights. How does that change anything for you compared to where maybe some of your backups would be RMs you have to throw in the mix, which is not the case this year? Yeah, it, it does. It changed. It does change the way that you call it. And this fall camp, uh, you know, has been really good for us as a defense to really, um, you know, figure out who we are and where we're at. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing with defenses is um, can you play man? Can you play man coverage? Um, can you play quarters coverage, which is really a lot more aggressive than man coverage? Um, and can you do it? Can you do it consistently? Do you have to, you know, how many change ups do you need in it? So like, the Virginia game, for instance, right? We went in mm-hmm. with a game plan to go a lot of man coverage and just had a couple change-ups. Well, uh, that was that was a weird game because uh, we were up 21-0 in the first quarter, but but the TV, the, the ESPN people had to flipped over, and so we were we were still not a <laughs> televised game. And so the refs were tra- were at the you know they were trying to just hurry the game up, and we were going fast and. Felt like we got to the point where we were we were still uh, schematically playing a lot of the same coverages. We were playing a lot of man, but uh, physically and with our depth, we just weren't we weren't there yet. We weren't we weren't at the the point where we can continue to play man. We 
Uh, me as a coordinator should have saw that and said, you know what, let's throw more changeups in it now because we're going fast. There's no timeouts. There's no TV timeouts. The offense is scoring in one or two plays. We're back out on the field. Um, and we started to see that in the second quarter where we're playing with a lot of bad um, technique because of fatigue and playing with a lot of bad really just calls by my my, my part. There's a lot, lot, lot more aggression uh, in situations where we probably just should have said, hey, let's Let's back it up a little bit, make them earn it. Let's get ourselves back in. Zones give you time to, uh, uh, you know, to catch up. Uh, but uh, it wasn't until halftime when we came back and made that adjustment and played a little bit better in the second half. But that second quarter was, uh, that was the wild, wild west, man. That was, that was crazy. <laughs> that was a five coke night for me. <laughs> I, I, had that, I had that many in the press box. <laughs> okay. For all you drop eight haters, that wins the Virginia game, as we've talked about. Um but I'm a drop eight uh, proponent, especially given the way the secondary is played, which brings me to this. Caleb Hayes uh, had an incredible interview with Spencer on Saturday. It was great. He addressed being black and not a member of the church at BYU and how great this place is, the secondary, his personal goals. He feels like this secondary could be one of the best in BYU history. Now, obviously, he said, hey, we got to go out and prove it. Yeah. But how confident are you in their abilities, Caleb Hayes and D'Angelo Mandel and Jacob Robinson now at corner? And uh, Gabe Judy Lally, it feels like that's a, a pretty talented group right now. Yeah, and that's that's uh, that's one of the things that's changed for us this fall camp, where um, really never felt uh, never never felt like we were at a point where we needed to to have a change up. You know, it was like okay, we're really uh, playing uh, pedal to the metal, full throttle right now, and it's because uh, Coach Coach Guilford's switching out the corners, and we're still you know. And that's and that's one thing that I always check, right? Like, uh, hey, gee, just let me know. Let me know if we need to change up. Let me know if your guys are tired. It's uh, can you play cover zero? Can you play man coverage? Can you keep the pedal to the metal? When do you need change ups? And there's always uh, schematical things. I mean, you don't. Nobody ever goes out there and keeps the pedal to the metal for the full sixty minutes. I mean, it's just that you don't play football like that, or 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 else you're going to end up getting a couple of interceptions, a couple of sacks, and you're going to give up 60. You know what I mean? It's just, there's, there's a, there's a, uh, you know, there's just schemes to the way that you do things and there's, there's tactics to it too. But um, you know, the never felt as we were, as we were in this fall camp that uh, coach Guilford ever gave me the, Hey, you know, we're going to need a couple of snaps here. It was just one guy after another and just switch them in. And we've got freshmen in there that are getting, getting reps and, you know, they, they may be running the wrong coverage, but they're like, stride for stride running with the really good receivers. And so I feel like we've got that athleticism right now. Just uh, we got to get the couple of the young guys to give us some snaps. If we can get, you know, one or two or three of those, those freshman corners that can really give us snaps sometime during this year, maybe the last half of the year uh, with catching up and understanding college ball and, and schemes, that'll, that'll prepare us for a really good future for the secondary uh, next year and the following year and the year after that. We're talking to defense coordinator, Elisa Tuiaki. He could probably beat you up. Uh, in your heyday, no matter who you are, that's right. MMA guy. That's um, right. Teach me more about defense here. You mentioned quarters are more aggressive than man. Uh, what what's more aggressive about quarters than man? Uh, so, uh, okay, <laughs> it's it's uh, so in quarters, okay, in quarters you're you're in a you've got no safeties deep. It's everybody's man to man all across the board. Uh, you're you're set up to be a little bit more aggressive in in the run where you've got all your backers responding to the run and you and you're better off in the QB run game but um corners are on their own they're on their own island and they've got no help safeties are on their own sometimes safeties are covering a slot on their own with no help 
Um, and that's and that's scary. You know, that's scary for a safety. But our safeties, Ammon, Ammon, uh, Micah, have done a really good job just in, in, the, in the times that we choose to do that. They're playing really aggressively right now. Um, man coverage is you're always going to have a post player. And so that post player is not responsible for a man. He's responsible for the post. And so when you're a corner covering on the outside that, you know, you know that, okay, I've got help on the inside with the backers because I've got a whole player and I've got help at the post. So I can play a little bit more aggressive to the fade. I can play a little bit stickier on the outside of the receiver, just knowing that I have help on the inside. I can funnel everything to the inside, but quarters isn't like that. Quarters is like, okay, you're on your own. Uh, we'll try to help you if we can, but good luck. And we played a lot of that this fall. And, and uh, you know, we played a lot of that in 2016 and we've kind of done it, you know, 2017 when we only won four games, but felt like we played uh, LSU pretty, you know, pretty hard. Um, but that, that was, that was the game where, where we were, we just weren't very good um, that year as a team. But anyways, we, we played quarters that year we, and, and we were, you know, we played some good defense, but just, uh, in other in other instances, you start to get exposed. Now it's like you're giving up big plays, and you can't you can't play quarters all game, you know. And so, um, you know, for us, never felt like that this fall. This fall camp felt like we can go back and forth from man to zones to quarters uh, in situations where you needed it, right? Like if you're if you're on a third and five, you don't want to be sitting in the zone. It's you got to start to get a little bit stickier. We playing quarters, we playing man. Are we going to challenge to get for them to get a first down? Or are we going to just back up and give it to them? You know, and so um, it all depends on your personnel. If you're if you got a personnel out there that that can't play it and you're doing it, well, that's your fault as the coordinator. You know, but if you don't have the personnel and you're playing a little bit more of maybe a, a man scheme drop eight or just a zone scheme drop eight, there's there's fifty million different ways to run drop eight. Now you're giving your guys an opportunity to maybe just keep things in front of you and just respond to the ball. And, um, you know, you, you don't want to be the corner out there. That's just uh, subpar covering skills, but your coordinator is asking you to play man the whole time and everybody's beating on you like a drum, right? Like you're going to lose that corner. He's never going to want to play again. And he's going to want to switch positions. It's just, there's, there's a lot more that goes to, to, uh, you know, calling it and creating schemes. And it just, just uh, doing the thing that call the, call the play that works all the time. <laughs> It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. That's the pursuit, right? <laughs> How much Baylor footage are you watching for the USF game? Because Gary Bohannon played at Baylor versus the South Florida game, who you played last year, and it was this sneaky closer game than people remember. Yeah, we, we've got a – I mean, we, we've watched uh, probably not necessarily Baylor film um, uh, for their schemes and all that stuff, more just we're looking specifically at him, his runs – his throws, uh, what he's capable of doing and all those things and just trying to fit it into this scheme, which is completely different from Baylor's. It's, it's, it's more spread. It's a lot more, you know, run RPO stuff and Baylor's just a little bit different. What are you most excited about with the week and a half leading up to the first game that's different than say fall camp in terms of like the game prep mode that you go into as a defensive coordinator? Yeah, the week uh, was it yesterday? I mean, yesterday was the first time that we broke up into scouts, scout teams, and so um, we had, we had we hadn't we hadn't been able to really put our our game plan on film yet for us to say, okay, well, here are the spacing problems. This this is going to be a problem. We need to address this. We need to address this. I mean, all those things you start to do when you break up into scout teams and actually the scout team runs South Florida stuff, and you try to you know you try to scheme things up. As you're doing it, so yesterday was the first day that we were able to do that, and it was it was really uh, fun, exciting, right? We're tired of playing each other, and 
tired of calling calling uh, scrimmages against Rod, ready to look at some some other scheme, some other coordinator, and start scheming for that and preparing for it. But also, it's just when you're going, you know, your ones on ones all fall camp, your twos on twos all fall camp. It starts to get to a point where you're like, all right, we're getting closer to the game. Really don't want to get anybody hurt, right? When you got that much meat on on the field between the ones and the twos going at it. I mean, there's you're 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 more likely to get somebody hurt. And so now we've broken up and it's a little bit more like uh uh scheme focused instead of just beating up on each other the whole time. All the players talk about, hey, it's us versus them in offense, defense, right? Is that the case with the coaching staff too in fall camp? I've never asked this. Um it it is it's the case in other places that I've been. Um, it's not really the case here. I, I feel like we've got a really cohesive staff. I mean, you know, uh, Coach Lamb is heavily involved with Kalani um, on game day with just management and just different ways that we do things. And so it's, it, he's got to be involved with the offense. Um, and that's and that's what, a, what the game, game management comes down to. I mean, there's not much on defense that you can do besides, hey, let's see if we can get a stop and a takeaway here. Um, everything else is really guided by offense. And so because Coach Lamb's involved that way, um, you know, I, I'm just a, a football nerd. And so I love learning about that stuff. And so I have conversations with them all the time, but also we talk all the time about just what the offense need, what the defense needs, um, situations where we really need to be helping each other out and, and all that. And, and A-Rod's, A-Rod's been awesome to work with because, you know, he was my offensive coordinator when I played. And so I've got great respect for him. Um, and he's a great mind, but also he's got no ego, right. And he's, He's, he's been awesome to work work with. And so anything that we need, I mean, everyone's been great, and anything he needs, uh, we want to make sure that we give for the offense so they can, they can be successful as well. Remind me, SUU? SUU. Yep. SUU. You, were Alani, you and Fessy A-Rod, on the same team? Me and Fessy played together. I was a senior when he was a freshman. Kalani uh, was a running backs coach. Uh, A-Rod was a coordinator, offense coordinator, and and uh, Coach Clune was the linebackers coach. How about that? Yep. Like w- – when you played the Big Sky, I've tracked down and like most of the staff is co- coached at a Big Sky school. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool that connection. When you guys play an FCS team, you've been there, like as a player oh, yeah. and or a coach, which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's coaches coach. That's that's the thing. A lot of these young coaches get into the game and they're like, "Hey, uh, man, when I'm done here, I really would like to, be, you know, be a position coach at BYU." Like, <laughs> You're like, yeah, dude, you got to go to Tyler Junior College, Kyle yeah, Griffin. Exactly, exactly. Tanner? You want to coach? Get out there and coach. There's there's no reason why you can't get out there. There's jobs out there. It's just yep. coach is coach. Go find you a way to affect one of these kids' lives, you know, in a, in a, in a positive way. So those opportunities are out there. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, happy for Tanner and, and for Kyle growing yep. up and doing their thing. Zach Erickson is snow now Jan the DC up as an analyst, which is awesome. Um, and and real quick, I've had you forever. Thank you. Uh, Jan's influence on the defensive line this fall. Yeah, how's it, awesome. how's it going? Yeah, he's been awesome. You know, he was with me the first two years, 16 and 17. And so um, you know, he's gone out and he's tested his own theories. He's gone out and done his own development. And uh, you know, but he's come back and he knows the language that I've used, he knows the expectation. Um, he brings new ideas, and so we talk a lot, all you know, about a lot of different things that he's tried or done throughout the years. Um, and also, he's just a, he's a. I mean, he was when he left. When he left, when he was done as a GA, I I told myself if I ever get a head job, I'm I'm hiring Jan. Like I knew that he's a guy that I always wanted back. And so 
um, you know, when when things opened up for us, we started to add new more analysts. It was like a no brainer. Okay, Jan's the first one on the docket. We can get him back. We bring him back. And so, in the new role that he's in, he's a lot more mature. You know, it's probably a lot lot a lot of the same way that you know, I'm working with Galani and A Rock. You know, um, it's Jan's coming in, and and I see him as an equal. I see him as as a guy that brings great ideas, but also just a guy that's that, that takes care of business and is really really intelligent. It was that MMA connection as well, right? You're like, I need someone else who relates to me. (laughs) That's right. That's, that's, I need, I need somebody in this room that I can't beat up. I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Well, uh, we, we could have seen you at uh, UFC in Salt Lake. Had you stuck with uh, MMA perhaps, but uh, over the weekend, but that was good. E, thanks for the time, man. Best of luck in the prep for USF. All right. Thank you. See you. Defense coordinator, Elias Tuyaki, who could probably beat you up. Uh, Uh, Beat both of us up. Let's be honest. Like two-on-one, he's taking us, that's for sure. Um, insightful stuff from uh, the defensive coordinator. He got, Again, I have an agenda here, but he gets some flag. He's a good DC man. Well, yeah, he's the, the defense and the production we've seen, it speaks for itself. And, and they're back, ready to go. Drop eight. All right, coming up, our uh, final fall camp overreaction of 2022. Really, I think we'll overreact for a while. Uh, and the best BYU helmet wall I've ever seen in the incredible cougar shadow in Arizona on the mountains that you can't miss. This is BYU Sports Center. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. This is BYU Sports Nation. To interact with the show and get great content throughout the day, follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. I wish Klein you would react once in a while, right? <laughs> Just a low-key, low-energy guy, typically. He is Jason. I'm Jeremy. Let's whip it. Google Whip Round is presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. The head coach of the Washington Commanders, his name is Ron Rivera, and he said the following about former Cougar receiver Dax Milne. He said, quote, a guy who has really shined, but we've always felt good about him, uh, is Dax Milne. I think Dax has played really well in both preseason games and has uh, flashed in a lot of ways and has gotten our attention. The question is, will Dax Milne be the most successful former BYU Cougar in D.C. this fall? Will he outdo the politicians uh, and that post-jimmer? I think he will. I think he'll have a great season. Listen, Dax being on a 53 in the NFL is enough for me. Him succeeding is gravy because as an, uh, well, seventh round, uh, you know, uh, almost free agent, He's been really good, and the fact that he's been able to stay on that team, yep. fantastic. Stay in the NFL, man. Yes, he's going to be fantastic. Yep. He's going to make the 53-man roster, yep. and hopefully we'll see him make an impact. Even more. There you go. BYU fan at Stowe tweeted out this picture of his BYU football helmet collection. Is this the best helmet collection you've seen before? Uh, it is amazing, um, and I am jealous. It looks like it's like, what is it, under the, it's under the stairs, right? I think so, and these are mini helmets. Yeah, they're mini helmets. That's, but I don't care. What, a, what a collection. That is absolutely amazing. Every BYU helmet ever. I am green with jealous rage, as Hot Rod would say. Uh, I love that wall. I'm extremely jealous. That is fantastic. Of note, there was a BYU helmet with a little bit of red on it. I know. That happened. Is that in, but is that we the believe in repentance. <laughs> okay, BYU soccer dropped six spots Ninth in the coaches' poll. Too harsh of a drop coming off a victory? Well, the UNC game certainly weighs into this. That's why. Uh, I'm okay with that. Well, was it? Um, (laughs) Yes, technically, but 
It wasn't like participatory. I think they were trying in that one. Um, yeah, I believe BYU somewhere in more in that range. Number three is a little high for me to start the season. I'm more comfortable with kind of BYU in this spot. Well, look, if they were good enough to start at number three, you get a win and you drop six spots. That seems a bit much for me. Don't schedule Fullerton anymore, apparently. <laughs> Jonathan Slater tweeted the following amazingness. There's a shadow on the Superstition Mountains in Apache Junction, Arizona, that appears twice a year with a massive cougar shadow. This just so happens to be showing up, by the way, on the Baylor week for BYU. First off, one, do you think this is real? And two, is this a sign from the heavens? Um, it is a sign. That is the Beat Digger logo right there on the mountains in Arizona. And if it's supposed to show up the Baylor week, I'm feeling pretty good about things right uh, now. That's a win. That is an unbelievable that's photo. That's awesome. I almost don't believe it. Like, it's too good. The angles are too sharp. The ears are too pristine. I don't, that's amazing. That's unbelievable. Well, what are you saying? Somebody went up there and painted it? Or you say it's digitally uh, put on there? No, they used Microsoft Paint, <laughs> AKA Photoshop. How awesome is that? You might, that is, it's unbelievable. That's incredible. It's a sign. I love technology. It is But a not sign. as much as you, you see. Thank you. All right, coming up, a rise and shout out to a BYU DB getting on SportsCenter. And the final fall camp scrimmage highlights. Our overreaction next. We never this. do that. <laughs> We've never done it ever before. Or will it this is BYU BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 10th ranked women's volleyball gets their season started this weekend. Watch as the Cougars host Ryder on Friday at 2 Eastern time live on the BYU TV app. The Bronx, not the Broncos, the Bronx in town from New Jersey. You'll be on the call. I, that's the plan. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live in Studio C. Great to have you, Jeremy Jordan, Jason Shepard. Final fall camp scrimmage was held yesterday. We've got some highlights, so we're going to break down some of these and do our best to uh, overreact as much as we can, which is, for Jason, just a regular answer typically. But here we go. Okay, we start with a Christopher Brooks run. Shep, we expect Christopher Brooks to fill in nicely for Tyler Algier. Here's a run from the scrimmage. They're definitely not tackling. Look at that. Th this is Barely can even get point. to him. Listen, this is, uh, you know, they're at like the 40, so this is at least a 60-yard touchdown in a regular game here. Uh, no, Christopher Brooks looks good. By the way. Look at the cut. Look at that. Look mm, at the stop and start. Mm. That's like Barry Sanders-esque. Oh, boy. We're going there. Okay. Um, re I really like it. I like the, the all-white look in practice for the offense. Crisp. Love that. Very much. Hoping BYU goes with that in the season. All right, our next we don't one. Know this, we don't know the jerseys yet, by the way. We do Very not. Excited. We do not, yes. They're going to go week to week. Huh? Yeah. All right, uh, this next one we're being told is a, uh, a Jaron Hall to Braden Cosper play. Let's take a look at this one. Braden Cosper having a this. great camp, by the way. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, Ooh. some separation. A perfect throw. A little bit of slowdown defensively there. So. Uh, Think so? I'm not yeah. saying that. I think we're looking at two different things. This look, is scout squad. Look, okay. we talk about the possibility of maybe two receivers with a thousand yards in Puka and Gunner. I'm seeing two? three. Who's saying two? I'm seeing three right now, and yeah. I think that right there hey, is. How about one? <laughs> <laughs> if BYU gets one, that'd be tremendous. By the way, Braden Cosper got hurt in camp last year. Did not play. Um, former Bingham kid. Um, he is, with Dax Milne in high school. 
Brent Cosper is emerging as kind of a top four yes. uh, guy on this team. We have not mentioned his name much. We we need to be. Braden Cosper, Chase Roberts, Keanu Hill. These are all guys. I the think, other guys. I Cody think, Epps. I think they're all Tanner Wall play a role has had a nice camp. Is kind of an off the yeah. uh, off the radar guy, right? Okay, next one. Uh, more Braden Cosper. More sugar. Look at that. Okay. Ooh, okay, that's a nice grab. Take it right middle. out of the air. Yep. This is uh, throw your body into it. You may have safety in your back kind of situation uh, from Braden Cosper. Good hands. It's got the got the blonde flow going. What by this the way. What this tells me is Jaron Hall knows if I put it in the vicinity, I got the guys that can make the catch. Yeah. I, listen, good hands right there, man. Look, and let's be it. honest. If he doesn't fall down, he's taking it to the house. <laughs> Typically, that's how it works. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. Uh, D'Angelo Mandel with an interception. Let's take a look at this one. Yesterday we were talking about the DBs, right? Uh, Nick Billups, Bill okay. Bar employee number okay. one. Oh, look at the, off the bounce. Look at the concentration on that. Off the bounce here. Battered around and caught. D'Lo. Now, we talked about this yesterday, um, and he's just mildly excited about it. I love um, running away from the teammates. Yes. I'm, it's one of my favorites. I forgot the name of the celebration that's going viral right now, but where you act like you pulled your hamstring and then you dance. Well, let's not that. joke about that. Is, uh, is someone going to do that? Please no. Is someone going to do well, that? Well, here's the BYU? thing. If somebody that, that actually would... does it, then nobody's going to take him seriously. They're going to be laughing at him. And they say, no, 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 seriously, yeah, I'm no, hurt. No, seriously, I'm, I, I'm really I hurt. pulled my hamstring. Okay, that wraps up the uh, fall camp scrimmage uh, overreaction. Not a ton of overreaction there. Uh, the secondary expected to be good, as we talked about yesterday. D'Lo with the pick. Let's see more of that this year. I'll take that. All right, coming up, your elite voice. And today's Rise and Shout includes some Brent Musburger back in 96 against... This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the BYU TV and BYU Radio app today, or you can download the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Please, while you're there, subscribe, rate, and review. Our question of the day, how do you feel about BYU being labeled an under-the-radar gem in a Tier 6 team by Espen? LJ Pearson on Twitter. BYU does well as the underdog. Better to be under the radar than scrutinized by the spotlight. As the team says, avoid the poison. Now, I think that's great now. I do believe that we want in the Big 12 BYU to actually be discussed as one of the favorites. Yeah, you constantly. want to be in the conversation of being ones to look at. Yes. So there's sort of this evolution in this uh, underrated uh, cycle, if you will, to overrated, the, the rated cycle, where you want to be discussed. And at some point, it's okay to be overrated because that means you got to be really good at a certain point. Like if Utah isn't in the top 10 at the end of the year, they were overrated. Like, the pressure's on, right, for the Utes, not like BYU where it's like, eh, 25th, barely in. No one thinks we're going to do too much. Thinks we're good, but not that good. There, right? may, there may not be national, you know, pressure. There's certainly pressure from fans. I'm not sure the BYU fan base cares that much about football, said no one. <laughs> Our Elite Voice of the Day is presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Noah Snyder, 24, on Instagram. Motivated. We now have another reason to showcase how good we really are to everyone and gain the respect we deserve once again. I just don't want BYU to be in the same category as, like, uh, Georgia Southern. Like, no one respects us. we got to show them. It's like, no, no, no. We're not like everyone else. Uh, we've got a, a Heisman in the national championship and a Doak and a... And a all a Doak? A Doak Walker. As, uh, yep, fun, fun inside joke there. Okay, today's Rise of Jetta, presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. On this day... In the year of our Lord, 1996, 
Texas A&M came to town, ranked 13th, and they got KO punched. Well, they show a regular rush. Deep ball, yeah! Touchdown, BYU leads! Levi Kealaluhi, the KO punch! The slide is so iconic good. Yes, as a BYU fan. If you did that slide, be like, what game was this from? Yeah. Be like, yeah, 96 a And I'm just, I'm telling you, I love seeing Sarkeesian throw the football in a BYU uniform. I loved him as a quarterback. He was so good. We need that matchup next year and the year after that. We need Texas and BYU. There's a pretty good chance you're going to get in one of the two. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. <laughs> so. Your remark in the conference, we would like that very much. Um, I, I said this yesterday. <laughs> well, I, I'm 12, and I just grab a shirt. I just grab a shirt. I don't. I don't like think about what shirt it is. That's which your is first the, mistake. Which is the first mistake? <laughs> I wore a maroon shirt like an idiot to that game. Um, and and had they been flipped, by the way, on on which side of the field they were throwing at, mm-hmm. he would have run right into me like sixth throw. And then there would have been footage of you in the crowd in a maroon shirt, wearing going, a maroon ah! shirt, like angry that BYU had just scored a touchdown. <laughs> I would have been angry. <laughs> Okay, and then uh, Rice and shouted to Isaiah, boo! I wanted that win and AM to win. Uh, Isaiah Glasker, okay, 6'5 safety, vying for one of those kind of number two spots. Uh, he makes an incredible pick in practice this week. This got mentioned on SportsCenter. Check this out. He's 6'5, okay, he's defending Ethan Erickson, who's no slouch. Look at this pick out of the left hand against the shoulder. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. That is an incredible play. Are we sure that's not Blaine Fowler? We're in 16? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there, Shep. But uh, great play by Isaiah as, as uh, BYU turns its attention today, by the way, to South Florida. Game prep begins today, and then they leave a week from tomorrow for Tampa in game one. We're, we're close, dude. How many days? Ten, day, na, na, Ten days away. <laughs> Ten days away. I, <sighs> tomorrow we're in single digits. I, I almost—it's a single digit. What's tomorrow? Thursday. Yeah. Single, single digit Thursday. It's a single digit Thursday. That's, those words have never been uttered <laughs> in the English language. Our thanks to today's guest, Elisa Tuya. Conversation continues 24/7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use hashtag BYUSN. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we ran out of time. Although you did make it into the show, you paid attention. For Jason, I am Jeremy. Shout out to Norm Dixon. Ten days away, BYU and South Florida. Hoping to get a bunch of picks like this one from oh, look Jacob at that. Robinson. Go Cougs.